Everybody and welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. This is session number 200 this evening, um, which is really quite something, actually. Here we are, um, and I love this. Um, Gilgalady earlier today calculated uh, on the strength of the uh, uh, data that we are given in the nature of Middle-earth that we have been... Um, talking, uh, we've been discussing the Lord of the Rings here for a full five days of the trees. So there you are. It's been a long time that we've been discussing uh, the Lord of the Rings here. Five whole days, if you can believe it. And uh, anyway, 200 sessions is incredible. And can I just say it is uh, a wonderful honor. Uh, I, I consider it a wonderful honor. The unabated of enthusiasm uh, that um, uh, you guys have shown for this. Uh, I certainly, if ever I have tried the patience of a group of people, <laughs> you are they. Uh, and uh, uh, because I've been just uh, in this complete state of self-indulgence for uh, years now, um, as we have... Um, uh, as we have been, uh, you know, going through uh, this text, because as I keep saying, like, I'm never going to get to do this again. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, to leave everything on the table here. Um, but of course, it's um, uh, not a given. <laughs> it's not hard for me to understand that I would enjoy uh, sitting and uh, discussing the Lord of the Rings at this pace for 200 sessions. Um but um, uh, that all of you would be so good as to carry on uh, uh, showing up to discuss it with me, uh, both those who uh, show up to discuss it live and those who uh, are uh, watching and listening after the fact. Um, it, is, uh, uh, it, is, it is a very great pleasure to have you guys along, and I am delighted uh, that you guys have joined me. So thank you guys so much. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, 200 episodes and we're still we're still in Rivendell. That's it. That's it. Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly that. Um, in fact, I don't remember seeing this when um, uh, Matt, when Evil Dr. Cannon was calculating our trajectory, um, uh, which, as I recall, was last somewhere around 2035 uh, that we're likely to finish. Um, uh, he um, I don't remember that we. Um, that we actually calculated the number of uh, sessions that we're projected uh, to, uh, to to do, but um, anyway, I, it's um, uh, <laughs> it's true, Ray. A flat line can hardly be called a trajectory. Well, it's a sort of trajectory in, in its way, um, but uh, anyway, yeah. So I, I couldn't remember that, uh, Evil Doctor Cannon. But uh, yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, it's got to be. I mean, after all, we're only on chapter three of book two here, right? So uh, it, it's got to be what towards a towards a thousand, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, Arcadia and I. So the word "guy" is to me a completely gender neutral term. Uh, uh, in fact, it's a completely um, in, in my vocabulary. The word "guy" uh, is a completely uh, gender. Um, uh, 
uh, what's the word? Agnostic uh, term, actually. But um, anyway, <laughs> yeah, something like 1440 episodes, uh, 10 grosses of episodes, something like that. Uh, Glowenson. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Um, um, exactly. Musical guy. It's from the, you know, a, a middle English word, which is extremely generic. It just it just it means person. Um, but um, anyway, OK, uh, so um, I. We will move forward, of course. I do have some exciting announcements, though, tonight, because today is an exciting day. Today is the eve of Bilbo and Frodo's birthday, which is always, um, which is always a big day uh, in the um, in the the Signum calendar, um, because it is the day on which we begin our annual fundraising campaign. Um, but first, let me mention a couple other things before I even get there. First, um, I wanted to draw your attention. Many people have seen this already, but we have a special promotion now uh, for one of our Anytime Audits. Um, it's a, a staff pick Anytime Audit uh, uh, special. Um, so uh, $20 off of uh, to sign up for uh, the Anytime Audit um registration for the uh, the 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 imagined language uh, class the invented language class um, which does a lot with uh, Quenya and Tolkien's languages as well as other fantasy languages uh, this was taught by dr. Andrew Higgins uh, one of the editors of a secret vice uh, several years back at Signum really cool courses so uh, uh, I encourage people to look into that you can find information on that on the Signum web page. Also, I wanted to remind people about uh, the moots coming up. So this very week, it is finally moot week. Um, New England moot is happening this coming Saturday. Um, there we go. There's the um, there's the the anytime audit uh, special. Uh, thank you, Druid Fire. Um, anyway, yeah. So uh, New England moot is happening this week. So I wanted to emphasize to people to make sure that everybody knew. Um, just as we've done before uh, in the past with MythMoot when we've had our digital registration available, so too with the regional moots. If you sign up for um, digital participation at the moot, you will also get access to a full recording, digital recording of all the sessions. Um, so if you miss it or if you can't be there for the whole day, um, you'll get an archive uh, of the day. And only people who sign up can get it. The archive is never again available to anybody else. It's part of the arrangement arrangement we have with our um, uh, with our speakers. So only if you sign up for digital attendance at the events in advance can you get access uh, to the, but you get access, you can keep access thereafter uh, for those who did attend. Um, so I just wanted to make sure everybody knew about that. So if you can, if you sign up for digital attendance, it's certainly not too late. You can sign up right up until uh, the, uh, the event. In fact, actually, uh, you can sign up until the end of the event, in fact. Um, so I just wanted to uh, uh, make sure that everybody was aware of that. And also, um, uh, and of course, greatly looking forward to uh, seeing the folks who are going to be able uh, physically to come uh, to, uh, uh, to Durham, New Hampshire this weekend. Um, looking forward to hang out with everybody there. Um, and then, of course, two weeks from then, so two and a half weeks from now, is Middle Moot out in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, same deal. It's going to be a hybrid experience, but really looking forward to being there. And Mike Drought is coming to Middle Moot uh, to give the plenary address there. So uh, that is a really, really, um, um, a really, really fun opportunity. Um, so definitely encourage, uh, encourage that. Um, 
So anyway, those are the those are the 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 those are the other announcements. But I wanted to remind people that tomorrow, on Bilbo and Frodo's birthday, we are going to be starting the nature of Middle Earth. We're going to be discussing our way. We're going to have session one, discussing our way through the nature of Middle Earth again. For those of you who don't have this book, get it. What are you waiting for? Holy cow! This is the first brand new, never before been read Middle Earth material that has been released in decades. This is incredible, incredible stuff here. Um, so, um, uh, and it's I really, um, I, yeah, I've been. I've, I'm, I'm, I'm restraining myself. I'm not reading ahead. I'm going to read along with the class. Um, so we're discussing in the first session on uh, tomorrow, on Wednesday, uh, the 22nd, uh, we're discussing part one, chapters one through five. So I'm, I'm like restricting myself to those chapters. Uh, and then we'll see as we go through the book. Um, but even in the first five chapters, it has been like, I feel like I can already see more clearly than I've ever understood before the answer to the question, why didn't Tolkien ever finish revising the Silmarillion? We got some insight into that when we discussed um, uh, Morgoth's Ring last year, but I actually understand the answer differently now. Um, I would... I would have given an answer to that. If somebody asked me that question, why didn't Tolkien ever finish the Silmarillion? I mean, it was like his life's work. It was what he most wanted. Like he, he, he dearly, dearly wanted to see the Silmarillion published. He was trying to get that earlier on in his life. And then he finishes the Lord of the Rings, becomes famous. You know they would have published anything that he put out, right, by the end of his life. Like by the time Tolkien was 70, he could have published anything he wanted to publish, right? He was so uh, famous and, and his stuff was selling so well. Um, and so, in you know, so, like, obviously, top priority, right? To push through the Silmarillion, get it done, get it out there, fulfill his life's dream. But it didn't happen, despite the fact that he had a couple decades to work on it. It didn't happen. Why? Why not? What was it that got in the way that prevented Tolkien from doing, from publishing the Silmarillion? And as I say, I feel like I understand the answer to that question better than I ever have before, just after reading the first five chapters of this book. So, tomorrow night, we're going to dig in, um, uh, bring your calculators, and we're going to talk about uh, the first five chapters of The Nature of Middle-Earth, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But in addition to talking about the first five chapters tomorrow night... Um, oh, and uh, let me uh, share... Um, it won't go absolutely everywhere... Um, that this is broadcasting all at once. Um, but I can share on Discord and I can share... Um, I think, yeah, I can share on Discord and then Druidsfire can help me with that. This is the registration link uh, for the uh, uh, Nature of Middle-Earth session. Okay, sorry. So um, I just want to make sure that everybody has that. But in addition, as I said, tomorrow is also the beginning of our fall fundraising campaign, and I have some really exciting things to tell you guys about. Um, we are, at Signum, we are preparing to launch a new thing that is, that I'm just delighted by. It's it's sort of like, it's, it's uh, I'm so excited because I've had this dream of providing educational opportunities for folks, and this thing that we're doing um, is like the last piece. 
and uh, it's I, I'm so excited about. It. Anyway, I'll t- tell you more about it tomorrow. Um, but it's uh, it's it's exciting stuff. So anyway, so campaign starts tomorrow. Very exciting things. Um, Fourth Dauntless, no, we're not doing it on GoToWebinar. We're doing it experimentally on Zoom. We're experimenting with it with a with a shift over. Um, not a huge fan myself, but a. Hey, it's a tool, and I think we can make it work. I've made more. I've made clumsier tools work in the past, um, but um, anyhow. So I hope you guys will join me tomorrow. You can also, of course, catch the recording if you can't uh, join us in person. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, there we are. So uh, uh, so I hope you guys will be able to join me again. That's it's tomorrow, Wednesday night, on the twenty second at ten p.m. Same time as we begin here. Um, all right, i.e. when everybody else in my house goes to bed. That's, well, most of the people in my house go to bed. Um, <laughs> so so there we are. Can you join if you're still waiting on the book? Yes, Kurtzimus, you can. I mean, it's, uh, uh, I mean, Chris, it's going to be a little bit harder. I mean, I'll have my slides and everything like normal, so you can follow along with what I'm talking about. It'll be a little bit harder if you haven't gotten a chance to read it yourself, but hopefully we're, we're not going to rush. And if we're not going to go at exploring the Lord of the Rings pace through this book, mind, um, I am planning to cover five whole chapters, even though they're short chapters, uh, in the first session. And I don't doubt it's going to take 20, 25 sessions at least uh, to get through the book as a whole. Um, but that means that even if you're, even if the book hasn't come out yet in your country and it won't come out until next month, you'll be able to catch up <laughs> pretty, pretty quickly, I think. Um, so, uh, so there we are. Um, Okay, with that, that is enough preamble. Let us jump back into the text here. So, last time we were looking at the map, and we were looking at where the scouts were going, and I was very pleased um, to... I, I was really grateful for our discussion last time. I feel like I understand the purpose of the scouts and where they were going. Um, after, you know, looking at the, the, um, uh, the map together last time. I feel like I understand that much better. Um, but um, uh, but let's now go and look at what the scouts learned when they went down there uh, to the various different places they go. Um, in no region had the messengers discovered any signs or tidings of the riders or any other servants of the enemy. Even from the eagles of the Misty Mountains, they had learned no fresh news. Nothing had been seen or heard of Gollum, but the wild wolves were still gathering and were hunting again far up the great river. Three of the black horses had been found at once drowned in the flooded ford. On the rocks of the rapids below it, searchers discovered the bodies of five more, and also a long black cloak, slashed and tattered. Of the black riders, no other trace was to be seen, and nowhere was their presence to be felt. It seemed that they had vanished from the north. Um, Okay, so... A couple things are here of interest to me. Yes, Nathan, we get some foreshadowing with the wolves, right? The wild wolves are gathering. Notice, Nathan, right, that the wild wolves are hunting again far up the Great River, right? That is to say, so I've kept the map so that we could keep looking at it here. Um, So it seems that the wolf issue that they are discussing, that they're alluding to here, was found by the folks who went to the Anduin Vale. Remember how many places they crossed over. I mean, they know they got to get over the Misty Mountains eventually. And so, uh, as you will recall, they were exploring three different passes over the mountains, and they seemed to spend a good deal of time 
looking all the way up, you know, from the Carrick South uh, down the Anduin River Valley in order to figure out how much of the Anduin River Valley they should uh, they should you know cross through. They should they, they should they should travel through, and so the the wolf thing seems to be um, uh, uh, seems to be. referring to the Anduin River Valley, right? Up the Great River, they talk about. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Hyde, I was about to say the same thing. Lupita was asking, how fast can the ringwraiths travel on foot? And I was going to say that uh, um, that would be for people who have feet, right? Um, <clears throat> how long does it take them to... I don't know how black riders, how ringwraiths locomote themselves. Um in the absence of horses, boots, or, you know, like when they're deprived of their outer shape, right? Um, <laughs> nice, fourth dauntless. <laughs> I agree, right, yes. Uh, the dead travel fast. Die Toten reiten schnell, as quotation from Dracula. Well, from something that one of the peasants in Dracula says in the early chapters, yes. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, the speed of an unladen Nazgul is exactly the question, <laughs> Almerea. Um, and I gather it's fairly fast um, as they... Do we know the date? Does it say when they get down there? Um, back to Mordor? Do we get any indirect evidence? From the tale of years, I mean. From the tale of years, do we get any indirect evidence as to when the Nazgul will return to Mordor? I don't think we do. It'll be some time. I mean, the first time that we meet Another Nazgul again in the narrative is the one that um, that Legolas shoots out of the sky at uh, uh, at Sarngebir, but that's um uh, that doesn't of course there's 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 no reason to think that they you know hit it like just arrived or anything like that. It could have been back there for a long time. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay. Uh, yeah, how fast does a shadow travel? Kurtzimus just, is just the question. Okay, fourth thoughts, you didn't see anything suggestive in Appendix B. Uh, I, I wasn't sure there was anything there. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay. Yes, we do see the Witch King on foot uh, at the Battle of Pelennor Field. Um, but that's after he's been, he's been cloaked again, uh, by then. So it's different. Now they're, as I understand, you know, based, especially based on the, uh, you know, the theories we have been discussing here over the last couple months, um, my understanding is that when they were taken down in the Ford, they were, they were uncloaked. They were unbodied. They were, um, they didn't just lose their outer garments and need to, you know, steal some off a wash line somewhere, uh, right, in order to clothe themselves, though possibly in, uh, uh, I guess they'd have to go until they found a sufficiently creepy and ominous set of laundry uh, to burgle. Um, but, um, 
but yeah, yeah, I, I, they, they, they return to their spawn point in McCoy. That's exactly seems to be it. So they seem to have like, I don't know, oozed. Would oozing be the verb that we should use to describe that? And that suggests very slow movement, right? They, they did, did they glide, waft? They might have wafted. Um, whatever they did, however they managed to convey themselves, um, I, I can I can go with waft. Bjornason, or I agree. I think I'm always I think I'm always onto it there. As they wafted themselves back uh, to Mordor, um, uh, I think that they would have gone could have gone fairly quickly, um, but they couldn't have done much else. They couldn't have done really anything else. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so, exactly. Apparently they do simply waft into Mordor, Bard. That's the way you do it, in fact, uh, it turns out, at least when you don't have feet, boots, you know, horses or uh, uh, buttocks to rest upon them. So, um, as we've, of course, established quite clearly uh, here in this past month. Um, okay, so, but where were we? Wolves. That's where we were. Wolves uh, in on the Anduin. But let's go. Let's go. Let's go back here. Okay. In no region had the messengers discovered any signs or tidings of the riders or other servants of the enemy. Okay, so. The riders, we know that that was their primary objective. Like, they wanted to make sure, were they, in fact, uncloaked and made less dangerous, as Gandalf had said, right? If they are having to waft their way uh, down to Mordor, then they are not a threat, and they're not going to be a threat for some time, because they're going to have to go all the way back to Mordor, be recloaked, and then come back out. Um, So the one thing that they won't have to... If they can be sure that all nine of the Nazgul are taken care of in that way, then the one thing they can be sure of is that there will be no Nazgul on their trail, right, as they're heading south. Um, So fine. Uh, But, um, yes. Yeah, I agree, Fort Thomas, about the wolves. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, So, okay, let's just remember the regions that we were talking about, right? Um, The regions where, where they were searching was the Anduin River Valley from the Carrick down to Dol Guldur. Uh, Eldon and Elro here, we're fairly sure, went at least to Lorien uh, and will have gone down the path that the uh, the the fellowship is indeed going to go on. And then we had Aragorn and the Rangers doing Old Cardolan here, right, the Old Cardolan tour, all the way down uh, the, the Grey Flood, um, down to Tharbad, and then presume up to Bree, presumably this sort of triangle here, this whole area they were scouting. And then there were the scouts that went north on this side of the mountains from Rivendell up to the Etten Moors here, uh, not far from Gundabad. Okay. So uh, those are all the areas that we're talking about. And we're told that in no region had the messengers discovered any signs or tidings of the riders. Fine. Or other servants of the enemy. Really. Or other servants of the enemy. Um, yeah, for Thomas, I can't help but um, remember that same thing. Um, that Gandalf seemed to think that even the birds and beasts near the borders of the Shire might be spies of the enemy. Um, I, I, 
I'm trying to figure out what they mean by other servants of the enemy. Surely they can't mean... Again, Gandalf... I, I, I was thinking precisely the same thing. Gandalf's great concern... I mean, remember, I really believe that when Gandalf reaches out the window and grabs Sam by the hair, he is momentarily concerned that there's a spy of the enemy in the garden at Bag End, right, as he and Frodo were talking. Um, I mean, he had just been talking about that, right? So, um... Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Drusnake says this really just speaks poorly of Elrond's choice of scout. See, I would think so too, right? That's like, okay, why did you, why did you, <laughs> why did you send out the, your worst possible scouts who can't even see anybody? Uh, but, um, but yeah, it's. I, I think it's. I, I. I don't think it's. That's why I think by servants of the enemy, they must. Be, mean something more specific than like anybody who could possibly have any allegiance um uh to Sauron at all right um anyone who could be a spy um for um uh for for Sauron it is conceivable Matt that Gandalf's concerns about spies on the borders of the Shire turns out to be a need for concern about Saruman that is there were spies around the Shire but they were not Sauron's spies after all, they were Saruman's spies, turns out, right? Gandalf made the understandable assumption, right, that having detected that there were spies encircling the Shire, it must be Sauron's work, right? Um, but it turns out that that's not the case. Now, I can believe that. Um, I can believe that. But... Um, yeah... Yeah, Frothgar, that's the kind of direction that I'm sort of thinking in here, um, that um, he's worried more about, like, middle management or higher level of Sauron employees. Um, Also, possibly, like, orcs and orc armies, um, that kind of thing. We were talking about one of the things, one of the things that we were discussing last time was that part of what is happening here seems to be like a military assessment, right? I mean, there's very little reason to scout in the North at all, unless what you're interested in seeing is are the, like, trolls and goblins of the North mobilizing or being mobilized and gonna march south on Rivendell and, and you know, like, is it, should we get out very fast before, you know, Rivendell is encircled by an army besieging it. Cause that would be bad trying to get the ring away under those circumstances. Right. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. So exactly. Hrothgar, Bill Fernie wouldn't count. Is Bill Fernie a servant of the enemy? Well, Bill Fernie has been suborned by servants of the enemy. Right. Um, he is uh, amenable to working with servants of the enemy, but I don't think he would qualify here, right? Um, so, um, yeah, exactly, GDC. That's why they're scouting Tharbad and the Greenway as well. Exactly, exactly. So, I'm not 100% sure how I would translate that phrase, servants of the enemy. It might be, as you suggest, Hrothgar, uh, kind of a, like a, a rank issue, but, but I don't think so, because I suspect any orc would count as a servant of the enemy. Um, I suspect. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but that's kind of what I 
suspect. Yeah, Turambar, exactly. The squint-eyed fellow, it's not going to be lost on Aragorn, right? Aragorn knew full well at the time that there were spies in Bree, right? Um, and that not all, you know, even Butterbird uh, suspected, right, uh, that not all those folk that, uh, you know, came up the Greenway, uh, um, you know, meant any good. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So I think, um, um, right, right. I think this has to do with, are there, like, armies of the enemy or, like, people who look like they've been sent out by Sauron? Um, and the answer is no. Right, Nathan is suggesting a, a distinction between allies of the enemy and servants of the enemy. Um, yes. Yes. Um, the the noose is not yet closing around Rivendell, which they had reason to fear. Because remember another thing. Um, just because Sauron sent the Nazgul doesn't mean he sent them alone, right? I mean, he could have sent them in advance of the other folks he was sending after them, right? Um, uh, so... So, yeah, yeah. Um, exactly, Jordan. Out-of-place servants, not local turncoats or long-term spies. I suspect so, yes. Because keep in mind here, keep in mind the discussion in the council about how the road to the uh, sea is fraught with greatest peril. I mean, part of me wants to say at the end of that sentence, part of me wants to say, like, so, road to the sea is pretty clear. Right? I mean, no servants of the enemy anywhere around. And, and, and I mean, if you're headed to this, look at the head start you've got. So Sauron's servants are down here in Mordor, right? And you're up here in Rivendell. Um, you've got a straight shot out here to the Grey Havens, and he's got a schlep all the way up here. So, and through Gondor, I would add. So, um, so yeah, I like your chances, right, with the way this particular race is handicapped, um, since you've demonstrated there are no servants of the enemy. Now, again, that's, this is why you go north, right, up to the Etnmores, because, of course, if an army of things that would uh, freeze the blood of Barlam and Butterbur is activated and marching down into the Weather Hills, then okay, you might have some issues, right, and get into the sea. But no, it's fine. We seem to be good there. Right. So uh, no servants of the enemy anywhere around. So what were we worried about? Well, again, I think that's where the distinction comes in there. They are worried about spies. They do know that the spies, uh, you know, spies who will report what happened um, uh, to Sauron will see that happening. Right. They do know for a fact there are spies in that direction. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, but they will be less and so again if you look at if you look at the roots here right um it is kind of interesting this central we talked about threading the needle before right you've got the whole the whole like the old cardolan area over here where aragorn was was looking no there are no armies moving no you know saruman has not sent an army of orcs up past tharbad into the north he might have done was worth checking. That didn't happen. So no, they haven't found any orcs up here. And yet, Aragorn knows who knows who better. Aragorn knows that there are 
a bunch of potential spies in through here, in this area. The Anduin River Valley, well, apparently that gets a no also, because we've got to pass... Uh, they didn't like. They must not have liked these passes over the mountains. Um, there is this. They're going to have to go down really close to Dol Guldur. Lots of spies again, potentially in this area. But this strip in the middle, right, just to the western side of the mountains, where the company is actually going to be going down. This is like no man's land in here, right? South of the Loudwater and then of the Grey Flood, right after the Loudwater and the Grey Flood come together. Um, So south of that, between the river and the mountains, is this land where nobody lives, no spies, right? Middle of nowhere, right? Um, And, of course, Eladon and Elro here went straight down there and, uh, uh, and, you know, and back. Um, And, yeah, you've got the Wild Wolves. We'll come back to the Wild Wolves in a second, Turinvar. Um, uh, I agree. Um, okay. So I think, again, so we're not counting, I think we're not counting spies. Therefore, we're saying servants of the enemy. Are there, um, those who are directly reporting to, who, whom Sauron sent into that area, orcs, armies, things like that? Nope. Even from the Eagles of the Misty Mountains, they had learned no fresh news. This emphasizes, so they did go to the Eagles of the Misty Mountains, um, who we know live up near the Carrick in the High Pass up here, where they ran into Bilbo and company uh, in the previous book. Um, So the folks who went up into the High Pass and then went into Mirkwood, presumably um, connected with the Eagles there and politely asked them um, what they saw so it seems, therefore, that the primary emphasis, oops, wrong one, the primary emphasis of this statement, even from the Eagles of the Misty Mountains, they had learned no fresh news, would seem to be saying, okay, we confirmed it, right? We confirmed what our scouts had noticed. They didn't, they didn't miss anything because even from the Eagles, Right, and the eagles can see everything, right? I mean, you can't hide an army from the eagles, surely. Uh, so if the eagles confirmed what the scouts had seen, or in this case, not seen, um, they, um, uh, you can rely on the fact that the scouts didn't, were not, in fact, just incompetent. So we can cross off that theory. Um, yes, yes. Um, okay, and yes, uh, sorry, uh, uh, Mondo man. Um, yes, I am taking questions from the chat. Uh, the primary discussion I'm having is with the folks on our discord channel, uh, which you can get a link to. Um, uh, it's on our, uh, mythgard.org page. Um, but, um, so you can join us there. I can see the chat in YouTube as well. I just, I have a lot of chat to watch, so I don't always see them immediately. That's all. Um, okay. And there it is, right? Thank you. All right, all right. Uh, um, uh, Discord just, uh, sorry, Discord. Druid's Fire just hit the Discord button there on the Twitch chat, so that's good. Okay, so nothing had been seen or heard of Gollum, but the wild wolves were still gathering and were hunting again far up the Great River. Now, back to the wolves. This is where we get back to the wolves. So, um, I agree with what several of you were saying earlier on. These are the wild wolves, right? So this does not mean um, 
For instance, I don't think anyone would probably call these wolves Hounds of Sauron. Exactly. Probably not, right? Probably not Hounds of Sauron, these. Um, how do they differ from wargs? Not sure. Exactly. They're not tame wolves. Bjorning in exile, that's it. Yeah. Um, they're not tame tame wolves. Um, I don't know. I don't know. First of all, Am I 100% sure that he is differentiating the wild wolves from the wargs who are servants of Sauron? No, I am not at all 100% sure of that. It seems quite possible. Since he has, they have just said there are no servants of the enemy. Oh, except for that, like, huge bunch of wargs, right? But they don't count, like, for some reason. Um, anyway, it sounds like they are wild wolves, um, which is, of course... Uh, as you're suggesting, a Hobbit reference. Um, uh, so, it, I mean, it reminds us uh, of the Hobbit, surely. Uh, the combination of the eagles and the wolves, it's uh, hard not to imagine uh, burning trees with dwarves in them um, when we hear of that combination there. It is also possible that the wild wolves is not meant to be as opposed to the domesticated wolves, uh, right, who are the servants of Sauron, um, but rather just to emphasize how feral and dangerous they are. The wild wolves were still gathering. Um, we're still gathering, and we're hunting again far up the Great River. Now, they were, yes, uh, uh, Corey, you're right, the wolves in The Hobbit are independent. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, um, but so are the goblins, right? So are the goblins in The Hobbit. Um, that is, none of them are working for Sauron, right? You know, they're not, like, just working for the, uh, um, they're not working for the enemy. Now, of course, we wouldn't expect that to be said in The Hobbit, right? Um, exactly, they're libertarian wolves. That's exactly it. Um, Lupita, here, I think, is the important thing about that. To me, the word that jumps out most is not wild, but gathering. But the wild wolves were still gathering and were hunting again far up the great river. The region might uh, not have any sign of other servants of the enemy there. But the wolves are still gathering. Which suggests... Yeah, why still gathering? Because we know they've begun to gather. Remember there was talk of the um, goblins and wolves of the Misty Mountains having returned to strength of numbers, right? Um, they have begun to gather. They're still gathering. So they're not moving yet, right? There's nothing happening yet, exactly, right? There's no movement of armies over there, east of the Misty Mountains. But it's coming, right? The wolves are still gathering. They're not, they're not ready yet. They're not yet a threat. Or rather, the threat of them is not yet a, a present threat, Right? But they're hunting again, far up the Great River. Scouting out, right? Um, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right, Valori, that they have alliances with the goblins, um, but the wolves themselves are not actually united. Yeah. Um, and you're right, Mad Violinist, that if we're talking about wild wolves, then gathering is something of an unnatural action. That's exactly why that word is the one that jumps out at me in that sentence. Um, the idea that the wild wolves are growing in number and are hunting in the Great River Valley, that's, you know, not great news, but it's uh, not necessarily all that ominous, right? Um, I mean, wolves are going to wolf, right? But gathering and still gathering suggests that this gathering has been ongoing for some time and still continues. There's a plan there. The plan has not yet come to fruition. Um, again, it's not a present danger, um, but uh, but it's but it's coming. And again, notice that. Uh, well, I say notice. We haven't seen it yet, but what we will see from their route the company decides emphatically against the Anduin River Valley, right? They're going to join the Anduin River Valley literally as far down as they can safely do it. They choose the southernmost of the three passes to cross. The, I mean, obviously, the uh, Gap of Rohan is right out, right? We don't even consider that one. Um, but of the three passes they consider, the High Pass, uh, the Pass uh, by the sources of the Gladden River, uh, and the Redhorn Gate... We're going Redhorn Gate, right? We're going as far south as we can, and then down through Lorien, right? So Lorien will definitely, you know, no wolf issues there, right? So the, uh, you know, we wouldn't have to worry about anything until we're already on the Great River south of, uh, uh, south of Dol Guldur, right? We, we, the whole wolf range, we're going all the way around the wolf range. Um, so, um, so yeah, I do think, um, uh, I do think that, yeah, exactly. They nope out the entire upper Anduin. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I don't know. I, I admit I find this a little bit hard to reconcile with um, that in no region had they discovered any other servants of the enemy. Um, but I think that the gathering of the wolves is sufficient indirect evidence of the activity of the enemy, right? That they're like, okay. Something is brewing up there. Let's not walk through the middle of that, right? Um, let's definitely, uh, let's definitely, let's definitely go around that. Then we segue back to what happened to the riders. We've got the three horses found drowned in the flood, and then five more down below it. And by the way, I have to give. Um, I have to give some um, kudos uh, to uh, the Lord of the Rings Online. This is one of my very favorite quests. Um, this was one of the play. I mean, I was I was already really impressed. Uh, you know, just seeing the game world and 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 playing it through. Um, I have to admit. I, I was in love with Lotro from the first time I saw that they had, in fact, remembered to put beans on poles uh, outside the windows in the backyard of Tom Bombadil's house. Um, when I saw that there was a slashed cloak on the uh, threshold of uh, the house at Crick Hollow. But when I got in the epic quest line, 
uh, as far as the where now the horse and the rider quest. Um, uh, when they seized on the fact that only eight horses were found and they make the uh, the player character one of the scouts that gets sent out from Rivendell, uh, uh, Elrond sends you out uh, to go try to find what happened. Like, there, it looks like one rider might be missing, right? So what happened to it? Um, I thought, um, I just loved that. Uh, absolutely love that. It's just uh, really, really typical of uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings online developers' close reading uh, and uh, thoughtful approach to the text. So that was uh, really... It ended up being a really long quest chain, too, tracking down that horse. Um, you finally do find it dead, but it takes a while. Um, <clears throat> but um, anyway, and yes, where now the horse and the rider... <clears throat> one of my uh, one of my probably top three favorite quest names uh, in the whole game too. Um, anyway, so I um, so yeah I. But with that said, um, notice the things that they they find the dead horses. Of course, only eight of them. But um, uh, you know something else could have happened <laughs> to dead horse number nine, um, and the cloak. Long black cloak slashed and tattered. Um, of the black riders, no other trace was to be seen, and nowhere was their presence to be felt. Um, yeah, I wonder, Lupita, I wonder if it was the Witch King's horse that survived the longest, perhaps. Or is it that the last horse didn't survive the longest, but was like destroyed the most, if you see what I mean, right? Um, uh, you know, that it got washed way further downstream than the rest of them, and so that's why they didn't, you know, come across it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, what slashed the cloak? Yeah, well, there are all kinds of both physical and spiritual things in that flood, which could have slashed the cloak. Um, but, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Emily, no, I think you're exactly right. It rolled down the river to the sea uh, and there let it lie until the end. I, I think it's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, yep. Yep. Um, exactly. It rolled down the river to the sea. That's my, that's my favorite answer. <laughs> Emily, from now on, if ever anybody asks me the question... What happened to the ninth horse of the ring rates at the uh, at the Fort of Bruin? And I am going to say it was rolled down the river to the sea and there let it lie till the end. Yeah, absolutely. Nancy, absolutely. I, I agree with you also um, that um, uh, the slashed and tattered cloak um, reminds one of the slashed cloak of the Witch King. Right now, we know it's not the Witch King's cloak because the Witch King already lost his cloak. Um, he left that behind. Remember, Aragorn found it um, uh, at uh, um, at Weathertop. And by the way, I, um, I it's never occurred to me before. Um, but, I mean, of course, I mean, actually, so... There's kind of two things going on there that I that, that I'm I'm suddenly thinking of. One, we talked about the uncloaking of the riders, right? And it's clearly more than just like, "Hey, I lost my cloak," right? We know this because the Witch King did actually lose his cloak, right? At at uh, at Weathertop. Um, so, and yet he 
was like still perfectly functional right when he gets to the ford so uh that's one thing it was one interesting piece of evidence that i'd forgotten about when we were talking about that but the other thing is that i wonder you know when frodo drops the e-bomb right and the uh witch king is forced to flee leaving his cloak behind right is there a is there a moment right is he is he uncloaked? Like, temporarily uncloaked? When Frodo calls on Elbereth there? Um, I wonder. I wonder. I mean, it seems, it's just, it's interesting, because that, that's the word specifically that Gandalf uses, right, about the, the uncloaking thing. Um, and we talked about the Witch King fleeing, uh, you know, again, not, it was not a tactical withdrawal on the Witch King's part. Um, you know, more deadly to him was the name of Elbereth, right? And it it does seem that uh, when Frodo called out to Elbereth, Elbereth answered. Um, but um, uh, but yeah, I think that he um, Frodo's attack on him. Um, remember, don't I, like, let's also not forget the sword that Frodo is swinging at the Witch King is you know, part of the matched set, right, with the one that Mariotic is going to lodge behind his knee later on, right? So it's not like Frodo's sword is helpless to do any damage against him, right? Um, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. JJ's just giving us the, the quotation there, exactly. More deadly to him was the name of Elbereth. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I Frodo did miss Frodo did miss him absolutely. Fro, Frodo missed him. I mean, that's what Aragorn suggests there. Um, but um, but anyway, I, I I just I think it's interesting. Like, why does he leave his cloak by? And I never even asked that question. Like, why did he leave the cloak? I mean, Frodo slashed it. But I don't think he's so fashion conscious that fashion conscious that he's like, oh great, it's got a bloody great lip rip right above the the hem, right? I can't wear this thing anymore, right? I'm gonna throw it down on the ground in disgust and walk away. Like I don't, I don't, I don't see that, right? I don't see that. Um, I think, um, I think that he's. Um, <laughs> Logan Albright on YouTube says the Witch King's legs really take a beating in this story. I never really thought about that before. That's what happens when you mess with the hobbits with magic swords, right? I mean, you just gotta, uh, you just gotta wear some spiritual, you know, knee protectors and shin guards and things. Um, but um, uh, yeah, but well, I think um, Aranas that uh, I think it was uh, it was uh, who was it? Was a fourth Dauntless who earlier suggested. Uh, that um, the Witch King was forced to put on his warm winter cloak that he had brought against the oncome of cold weather. Uh, and so that's, so he was, uh, he was a little overdressed uh, when he came to the fort. Um, I love that idea. That's a joke, by the way. Remember, of course, that uh, hobbits, after they are running naked on the grass and lose their clothes, what other way around, they lose their clothes in the Barrow Downs and then run naked on the grass afterwards. Therapeutic streaking, um, uh, th- th- which I don't endorse, incidentally. <laughs> don't get the wrong idea. Um, 
Uh, I don't have the power of Bombadil, so I can't endorse that. But anyway, um, <laughs> the point is that uh, they didn't get their clothes back, and so they put on some of the spare clothes from their packs, but were soon too warm because they were forced to put on some of the warmer things that they had brought against the oncome of winter. Um, so... Um, uh yeah <laughs> yeah no, no Ray that's not, we're not doing that for the reenactment <laughs> no 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 that's not we're not going to reenact the nude streaking uh, for sure <laughs> but anyway the point is the point is um <laughs> yeah we we want to be invited back next year exactly yeah um uh <laughs> okay okay um. The dropping of his cloak. Um, it just, it, in retrospect, it seems to me even more, it seems to be given an additional significance by the, we don't know at the time anything. I mean, we know very little, but we don't even know that they're ring wraiths yet, right? Um, even though Aragorn is dropping ominous hints and telling us that he can't drop uh, less ominous, ominous hints lest we get too terrified. Um just like, uh, just like, you know, Gildor said as well. But, um, uh, anyway, um, so, yeah, okay. But anyway, as I was saying, in retrospect, his physical uncloaking, right? The fact that he loses his cloak in his encounter with Frodo feels at the very least like foreshadowing. Um, and at most like a foretaste of it for him. And it makes me wonder, um, physically speaking, physically, yes, it is almost like the E-bomb knocked him backwards out of his clothes for Thoughtless. Uh, and it, see, here's, here, cause here's what I'm, th here's my immediate question. Darn it. I am wanting to go back and reenact, uh, uh, Weathertop again. Because I hadn't thought of this element. Because here's the thing. Frodo slashes at the Witch King's cloak and connects with his sword, right? He, he, he actually cuts a slash in the cloak. And he's calling on Elbereth at the same time. Now, what does the Witch King do? Does he leave? I mean, does he disrobe? Is he, like, you know, fleeing like Joseph in Egypt, leaving his garment in the hand of his pursuer? Um, I mean, so are we imagining him to be, like, spinning and turning and, like, disrobing as he goes, right? Um, uh, that seems a little odd to me. Um, or is he... Um, or is he... See, I don't think necessarily... I don't think necessarily, for Thoughtless, that the Witch King has to have been running away at the time of the sword cut. Um, I don't think so. It's possible, of course. But, I mean, if he's got the cloak around him, right, there's going to be some hem in the front. And... If Frodo, is, Frodo is slashing at him, so he's actually he's not stabbing; he's swinging his sword, right? Um, 
so I can easily imagine how if you're swinging your sword from the side, you could slash the hem of the cloak of someone who's facing you, right? It wouldn't have to be from behind. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, everybody's teasing me about going back to, to Weathertop. Dude, that's a really important... By the way, dude, also yet another uh, uh, gender agnostic term in my vocabulary. Um, anyway, dude, that's a really important scene, right? I mean, that's a, it's a pivotal scene. Um, the, you know, Weathertop, the Ford, the Barrow Downs less less so, but like, you know, the, the, the attack on Weathertop uh, and the Ford, there's not been... You know, and, and we're going to be coming back also, I'm sure, to like the moment of Frodo's decision um, to take the ring. That's probably going to be another one uh, that's really that's really important. Um, but um, anyway, yeah. Um, but I agree, Evil Doctor Cannon. Um, uh, the slash wouldn't likely take the whole cloak off, so he could have thrown it off while running away. But there's another option. What if it went through him? What if he lost his cloak because he was, for the moment at least, uncloaked? What if he is, in a sense, as Forthaltless was suggesting, knocked backwards, right? Yeah, disembodied for a second. Yes. What if he, it's, what if that was the, I, we don't know exactly what happened when. Frodo drops the E-bomb. All we know is that immediately after that, the Witch King is out of there. Um, yes, he would be... He was... So, okay, Mad Violinist, I was just reading your longish post there. Um... Yes, he would have to be disembodied after he um, after he stabbed Frodo. But he's stabbing Frodo at the same time Frodo is slashing him. Um, remember that Aragorn says, and as we demonstrated in our reenactment of Weathertop, um, he's stabbing Frodo, I am very convinced now, in the back of the shoulder um, as Frodo is diving forward. Um, and as Aragorn says, like, and, and Gandalf, like, he missed you. Like, he did not stab you right in the heart. He was on, he was doing the stabbing, right? The stabbing was in process, right? But he couldn't do it because Frodo was not where he expected him to be. And he ends up just getting him in the shoulder instead. Um, but, um, right, yeah. So it is interesting, isn't it, that at that moment, the thing he was holding in his hand and the thing he was wearing on his semi-corporeal back both end up on the ground at Frodo's feet right after Frodo drops the E-bomb, right? Except he didn't leave his boots. Or at least Aragorn didn't mention them. The boots are a weak spot in this theory, isn't it? Unless he didn't have boots. 
Yes, Lady Lakata, I love that idea. Like a, like a pair of smoking boots <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and his underpants. Yeah, I no, that opens up a level of speculation I'm really not willing to uh pursue, I think, uh Evil Doctor Cannon. Um uh yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> exactly so question it scared him so badly it knocked his boots on that's exactly it that's exactly it <laughs> yeah yeah um it's possible so Hugh I, it's theoretically possible uh that he draws the cloak about him flees and disposes of the of the of the cloak in a in a discrete location later on. Yeah, but again, why? Like, vanity? Um, you know, I... You know, is he, um... Is he, uh, uh, like, really particular about his garments? Right? It's like, well, I just... I don't have time to sew that, and I don't have my sewing... My, you know, my evil sewing kit with me. Um, and, you know, I left my, like, the sewing kit of doom back home, so I don't have that, so I can't patch it, right? And it's going to drag on the ground now and be no end of a nuisance, uh, not to mention the fact that I can't possibly be seen wearing this. Uh, so, no. Like, I, you know, I just, um... Um... I don't. I, I can't. I, I I can't see him doing that. I can't say I'm being like. Well, there goes this outfit, right? Um, so I could get either he drops it in the moment because like he has to, or like you know, or I don't know something. He gets blown out of it. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I agree, Logan. The idea of Nazgul engaging in delicate needlework does make them considerably less scary. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm trying to imagine the Witch King attempting to thread a needle, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it could be. It's conceivable that his cloak could have entangled with Frodo's sword. Uh, and therefore, like, he did, you know, spin his way out of his cloak, leaving it behind him. Um it's possible. It's possible. Um, <laughs> the Stitch King of Angmar. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, I could go for that. The lack of boots. Yeah, the uh, temporarily uncloaked like the spiritually knocked backwards thing, like, you know, it two thirds of the way fits, right? He had the knife in his hand, the cloak on his back, but probably boots on his feet based on what we've heard. Um, and there weren't any boots. So, right. Maybe it was only mostly uncloaked. Maybe his feet <laughs> remained cloaked, Right. <laughs> that, uh, so like if the witch king goes running naked on the grass except for his boots that's not therapeutic apparently yeah um yeah yeah right right um yeah no 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 i don't mean for him to be i don't, i'm not i don't mean to suggest he was fully uncloaked there i, I just um 
Yeah, not like in a now he has to waft back to Sauron kind of way. Um, Tornavar does point out that, of course, there is no reference to boots here in this passage either. Um, and yet, despite the entire lack of recovered boots, they seem perfectly content to conclude that um, the Black Riders had vanished from the north. Even though the searchers' attempts to find evidence was entirely bootless. Yeah. One of my favorite words, by the way. Oh, come on, Bard. That was good. That was good. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a good... <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, hang on. I missed where you guys are talking about the cloak being a onesie. I'm not following that at all. But um, <laughs> anyway... Uh, hmm. Maybe they really are spiritual boots. Maybe the cloaks are the only truly physical artifacts and the rest of the garb is sorcery. Oh, the boots are attached to the cloak. I see. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the boots do leave prints. Yes. Yes, the boots leave prints uh, in the in the in the mud by the um, uh, down by the campground, right? Many booted feet, which are probably ring wraiths. At least makes the hobbits think of the booted feet of the uh, the booted feet, not the bootied feet. Musical the booted feet uh, of the of the of the riders. Yeah. Um, Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Poor Johannes over in Europe. Uh, where it's very uh, early in the morning. It was saying I nodded off for a second and why are we back on Weathertop now? Because, Johannes, in spirit, we never leave Weathertop, really. Uh, yeah, we never really, we never really leave it. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, exactly. The Hotel California of Middle Earth, something like that. Um, okay. I think I'm done talking about boots. Anyway, just a little speculation. Just thinking, just the long slashed cloak. The slashed cloak, all of a sudden, I'm at Weathertop again. I can't help it. Um, no other trace was to be found bootless search, and nowhere was their presence to be felt. Uh, the Nazgul, not presumably their boots. Um, that seems to me the most important thing. And I wonder, um, I wonder whom, uh, <laughs> I wonder whom they uh, sent 
on that particular one. Um, I bet you, I bet you Gorfindel was the leader of the searchers who went looking for the Black Riders. Look for looking directly for traces of the Black Riders. Um, yeah, yeah, I think. Um, which was one reason why they're so confident that nowhere's uh, their trace uh, to be felt. <laughs> Team Tralalalali, Ray. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, Durnbar says you don't send Gorfindel to find Black Riders. They're not sure to. They're sure not to be where he is. Uh, right, right. Um, uh, <laughs> well, he is safe to do this, right? But it's true. I mean, so what? Do you send people after the Black Riders who won't frighten them? Right? Is 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 that the goal? Right? We can't send Gorfindel. He's too scary. Right? Um, we have to we have to lure them uh, uh, out of hiding. Um, yeah, we could send Galdor. What are you trying to lure them out? I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yes. Um, yeah. But um, there, no other trace was to be seen, and nowhere was their presence felt. Um, Remember also that, like, where they have been can be felt as well, right? Um, remember Gandalf's testimony about how he could, like, tell that the Black Riders had come through. Um, after he met with Radagast and was headed south, he could tell that the Black Riders had come through. Um, there was evidence of their passing. Now, presumably, they have passed south um but there's no sense of their presence here huh here's a question i never asked myself before by what route do you think they waft whither wafteth the wraiths right so here we are the ford of bruinen and then whoosh Right, they get uh, uncloaked. Uh, cross as few rivers as possible. Agreed, agreed. So um, that's tough. They could maybe go a direct line. They could probably. I don't think they'd be that hindered by geography. I mean, they've got to cross the Anduin anyway before they get back to Mordor. I mean, as Christopher Tolkien was pointing out, um, I believe it was in the notes on the, the Hunt for the Ring in Unfinished Tales, um, Tolkien initially had really wanted to do the running water thing with the Ringwraiths, you know, have them be at the least reluctant to cross it, if not um, uh, actually incapable of crossing it, except under particular circumstances. But Tolkien kind of gave it up because he's like, there are too many rivers. <laughs> I can't. Like it's not. It's not practical, right? Um, I mean, what 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 are they going to do? What are they going to do? Like, 
um, I'm going to go to from Mordor to Gondor, but I've got to go up by way of the Forad Wife up here and come all the way back down. Like if I tiptoe on the, along the ridge of the Misty Mountains, right above all the sources of all the rivers, then I can probably make it uh, and find a route to get down into Gondor without. And then, and then along the ridge of the, you know, yeah, it's just not going to work. Um, but um, yeah, yeah. So anyway. I agree that's an issue. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say I don't think I don't think they just went south. I would think they would go east as quick as possible because the further east they go, the quicker the quicker they're into wraith-friendly terrain, right? Such as Southern Mirkwood, followed by the Brownlands, followed by Daggerlad, followed by Mordor, right? I mean, that's uh, that this whole corridor over here is fairly, uh, fairly wraith-friendly, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Fourth Thoughtless says, if I were a disembodied evil spirit, I'd be very worried about passing through the domain of a Balrog. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think they would have crossed the mountains ASAP. I really do. I really do. Um, yeah, and then would have been heading south over Ravanian. And there are fewer rivers over there. If they headed straight east, they've just got to cross the Anduin once, which they have to do sooner or later anyway, right? And then they could head down pretty much river-free, right? So yeah, I do think that for a wafting wraith, the uh, mountains are less trouble than the rivers, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I agree with you, Lady Lakata. Um, yep. Okay. Um... Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to go anywhere near Lorien. Uh, I agree. Um, okay. Now we don't, so we don't know for sure where they went, but that's what I got to think that they headed over the mountains fairly quickly. Okay. All right. Um, I feel like I want to do a poll or something. About the Witch King's cloak at Weathertop. I'm sorry, I can't stop thinking about it. Um, I just love the idea of him getting knocked back out of his cloak. We might have to do a re-reenactment. Yeah, we just might. We just might. Maybe we'll do a re-reenactment at Middlemoot. So we're not in Kansas City this year. But, um... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm, uh... Uh... I'm done. Yeah, how will we knock someone out of a cloak? I don't know. We'll have to experiment. <laughs> we'll have to try a couple different things. We'll have, to try, we'll have to try a couple different things. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it'll be, you know, this is some of these things. It's why you do the reenactments, right? You gotta, you gotta learn these things on the ground. Um, yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Like knocking your socks off, but not your boots. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, uh, we should we should stop. I'm tempted to go on to the next slide, but I shan't go on to the next slide uh, because that would be irresponsible. Um, I'm going to let you guys. It's getting late already. I'm going to let you guys go. Um, don't forget tomorrow evening, Nature of Middle Earth uh, discussion. I posted the link on Discord and Twitch uh, uh, recently. You can find uh, the page on MythGuard.org uh, for our Nature of Middle-Earth discussion. We'll be discussing chapters 1 through 5 of Part 1, starting off our discussion of this book uh, tomorrow night. Uh, so thanks, everybody. I uh, hope you will join me for that. Uh, look forward to that very much. Um, and we will do our field trip. Uh, so Thanks, everybody, uh, for, for joining our text discussion. And uh, I will... We will s see you guys next week. We're not going to come along with us. Hi there. Hey, hey there. Valori, how are you? Doing all right. 200. 200. 200. That's, that is crazy. It is crazy. It's even crazier that we are nowhere near the end. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We're yeah. Yes. I think, um, many cheers. Yes, many cheers for two hundred. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we're still stable mastering it, right? We've still yet not yet found a milestone. Yeah, to it's to bad. Gargle or something. Wherever I, know, it is. I know what this, yeah, this place. This All right, place. so yeah, let's go uh, South Bree. Drangle, right. That's where we're headed. Yes. All right, so we head to South Bree. Mm -hmm. And then uh, back out to. A lot of people in here today. Yeah. Trying to get everybody followed up here. All right. Yes, <laughs> I will try to get as many of you as I can. I will have to generally do it running. So, <laughs> sorry. I so I have I that. have my own theory. I have my own theory about the cloaks. Thing. Oh yeah. It's like um, it's it's like if you've ever seen a like a Doctor Who episode, it's like it'd be, it'd be like there's like a signal that's that's like making him solid so he can like wear stuff and when the dagger struck his cloak it like interrupted the signal right. it interrupted the signal right so it just passed yeah. right through so, yeah so well it, it made him sort of incorporeal briefly so the cloak just flooded to the ground that's that kind of more yeah that's kind of more or less what i was thinking i was th i was thinking not the sword itself doing that to the cloak but the, i was that's what i was basically thinking of elbereth doing essentially yeah just yeah the power yeah the power just sort of interrupted yeah. his form it, it made him incorporeal briefly yeah and then exactly to the ground and the reason it didn't work on the boots was when a, a cloak flutters to the ground it becomes a rug but boots just stay boots i see so his uh after he 
Right, because they didn't like so the cloak falls to the ground, and he would have to stoop and pick that up and put it back on, which is both cumbersome yeah. and embarrassing. Whereas, yeah. like his boots, if he fly, if he became very temporarily incorporeal and then corporeal again, well, his boots are still there, and his his incorporeal feet are still in him. Um, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of more or less what I was picturing in my head, really. I I mean, it still gives us the humorous uh, vision of a pair of boots running away. Yes, exactly. But, you know, I, I, I suppose that would be difficult to notice in the middle of the night. On a hey, black where, night, you know. Where did this stable master go? He'll appear in a moment. Hey, I, I think we got out. some lag going on. Everyone's in here for Hobbit or something. And maybe the... maybe. No, I mean, I'm at Anach Kurfu and he's gone. No, he'll be there. It, it takes forever. Oh, loading. there he is. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah we got some lag. I see. Well, Lori, can you switch me into Corey's group so I can shield all them, please? Oh yes, I haven't. I haven't organized parties yet. Yes. Okay, Drengol is where we're headed back to. That's where. Down by. Um, um, the vast and trunkless legs of stone are standing. Yes, I believe so. All right. I am sad that the phrase spiritual butts didn't come up again this week. We were this close. <laughs> All right, here we are. Because it's funny and I'm nine years old. <laughs> <laughs> let's see Jordan's wondering do the cloaks have solid heads or empty holes that sit on top of heads Ooh. um or pointed sticks I think well they've got hoods I think I think they're hooded cloaks mm -hmm. but like hooded cloaks hooded cloaks with no faces underneath yeah yeah that's what the, the, yeah. Basically sort of dress shop mannequins. Yeah. Right, but the hood's closed in the front? Yeah, I'm not sure what, if that would be Kardashian more or the less ominous. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Rweb31, we are at, um, uh, where, I almost said Gondaman again. What's wrong with me? Gundabad. Gundabad. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay. I right. had this feeling like at the end of last week, I had a definite objective in mind. Was it just to get up closer to the gates? I think so. Yeah, we were trying to figure out whether those spires. Would, yeah, would, what kind of, yeah, where the where the where it was under construction, I believe. Yeah. All right. Get up in personal. Okay. Yeah, well, we're gonna check out the scaffolding and. 
Lots of dragons around here. That seems inconvenient. Are they dragons? I mean, it seems strange to think of like you know dragons as the newcomers, right? Hang on a second. I wanna I wanna get a glimpse of the. Uh, this looks like a really good place to view the uh, that like the bridge here. Oh, yeah. yeah, the arches there, the bottom arches, those. Uh, mm -hmm. See, that's very long bearding, isn't it? We saw oh, yeah. whack arches like that, which, of course, are like three-peaked arches, right? Uh, yeah, I like the... It's definitely a mountain profile on those. Very cute. Yeah, yeah. Which I wasn't I thinking of when we saw this before, but notice how that it's not straight either. Like, it's it captures the actual profile of... Which we can't see the mountains from here, but... Um, because, I mean, like, notice it's, it's not just arches that zigzag, right? We saw that before up in Arid Lewin, um, arches like that. But um, but these are actually, like, rounded and contoured so as, presumably, to fit the actual profile shape of the mountains themselves. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Which is kind of fun. Did they make them no symmetrical? I know we're looking at it from an angle. It looks like they... they made it symmetrical though they did it yeah. does look like it notice how the top of the um arches are 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 flat right they're mm -hmm. straight um straight and 90 degrees ish but the bottoms are not because again the bottoms are making the contour of the the mountains um yeah it's a uh, it's a rare uh it, it's a rare um uh, sort of a uh far cry from the usual efficiency we see in uh, dwarven architecture. I, I get the feeling they sacrifice some sort of functionality. Well, yeah, you got to think so. And uh, especially the, that kind of... They're big into straight lines, usually, you know, in geometric yeah. shapes. Um, and often we'd see a geometrical kind of stylized thing, but that's not, I mean... Unless we're seeing some like the effect of some kind of erosion or something, but I wouldn't think so, because yes. it really looks deliberate. The, the cut there, the uneven it cuts. It follows too closely what we've seen them do with mountain peaks to decorate, especially out here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe the bridge itself has some sort of significance. Well, yeah, like I wonder. I, I agree with Tomas. Uh, they're definitely not load-bearing members. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Very poor ones, yeah, if so, uh, right? Yeah. I was going to say, it's, uh, you, you just uh, under, undermined uh, you, the bridge only has a f few centuries now, thanks to that. But if it's just decoration and the load-bearing is from these you know, columns and pillars over here, it's probably fine. I suspect... We have to allow them their flights of fancy whenever they feel like doing it every thousand years or so. But yeah, that's, I mean, for them to, I mean, if I'm right, that they're choosing essentially representational art over, mm -hmm. you know, architectural function, right? Mm -hmm. That, I think, is really fascinating. Mm. And yet, it still is symmetrical. Almost exactly. 
I think yeah, perhaps I think quite yeah. exactly, don't you think? Uh, yeah, it's representational without being authentic, and I think, I think if it was not symmetrical, it would not look as good. What the? Yeah, How why did the ground just shake? Are we yeah. being attacked by something? Yeah, uh, let's see. Fierce Mountain Drake. Oh. More of those. Yeah. I see. The nerve of those guys. Okay. All those, like, white marble towers, like the white facing oh, on yeah. those towers look even more impressive from close up. Mm-hmm. Looks like plaster. Yeah. And blast it. Marble. I'm noticing that the the, uh, the tower was in the scaffolding. The diamond shapes are, uh, in a couple of places, are definitely broken up, so it looks like it's repair work is ongoing. Right. Yeah, it does. Repairing the facade. Good eye. Yep, and I think not. Um, so not like this is not one in process. Like it's not like a a partially rebuilt spire. It's a re mm -hmm. it's 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 under repair. It's the old one that got broken. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't we don't know how badly it was broken before they started restoration, but yeah. Right. I mean, I don't know if it's as bad as that guy down there by the by the stable, but. Oh, you mean the, the one that was on the ground that we were looking at, the spire? Yeah. Like and I still wonder what on earth that was. That. Like, what exactly, how I, a spire got rolled all the way down to there? Yeah, I would have had to take off like a rocket to get over there. Yeah, I don't get it. Okay. Huh. All right, let's see. I guess we crossed the bridge where yeah. everybody was going across before I went off to look at the um, quest architecturally questionable uh, oh. buttressing structures under the bridge. Really good marble on these. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. See, this is definitely marble. Oh, yeah. You can see the little flecks of gold in it. Yeah. Look how... Look how clean these lines are. Yeah. I mean, this is... This, this was not made by Snorri the Lazy's prankster. Yeah. Now, interestingly, the... Um, um, what, what, like handrails? Uh -oh, are much orcs. more worn. Yeah, there are many bad guys over here. Are there? Yes. Oh, that's a shame. As hmm. Severlin once teased me when I was interviewing him about Gundabad in the future, like two or three years ago, he said, yes, there are a lot of orcs in Gundabad. <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, thought... our exec producer is a bit of a troll. <laughs> <laughs> they have a cave troll. So I'm just looking from here because I'm still not a hundred percent confident about the point of those dwarf fortresses on the hilltops. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at them from here, trying to understand them a little bit better. Well, it could be beacon watchtowers. Something like that, maybe. But they're so big; they're definitely housing something very big with a lot of people in. Yeah, and built um, 
yeah, built on purpose. Now, I agree, JJ, that those seem to be too close together to be um, beacons. Because we've got the three. There's the one right across the river where yeah. we found that milestone, that last step. Stable they're all by the they're all by the cliff faces though they're all overlooking yes yes especially uh, that very tall one is yeah. you know that highest one is overlooking the cliff could they have been like summer homes or something like you know for rather important dwarves who didn't want to actually be cramped up here in Gunnabah they wanted their own you know like Italian villa kind of dealio oh, we have seen recreational palaces before it's possible it's still strange to me that they were building those above ground. Now, I like our Gundabad theory that Gundabad was originally built by Durin before the dwarves started living underground, really. Mm -hmm. um, but... Okay. So... So I'm confused. Dwarf settlements, I'm, though. I'm then. just confused about the state. Why is restoration going on while there's a dirty great orc camp right here? Maybe it's not restoration. Maybe it's a watchtower. And uh, nah, well, see, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be putting up scaffolding and repairing the spires, though. They'd be. I mean, the orcs would. They'd be putting up spiky things and decorating it with skulls. Well, maybe they're like, like the doorway here. Exactly. Look at look at all these femurs, right? I mean, this is what they yeah. this is what they'd be doing. Maybe they're okay, trying to now, build some sort of war machine up there or Is this guy an orc? Yes. The Gundabad driver. I saw that I got a hobgoblin slayings uh deed. They're huh. responding by the way. Yes, I figured. Um, I'm thinking the restoration got interrupted. By yeah, because the restoration looks well put together. It doesn't look like this haphazard crap over here. Oh no, definitely not. I mean, I, I it seems clearly to suggest that um, uh, it seems clear to suggest that the dwarves returned at some point. I'm just trying to figure out when. When well, would the dwarves have returned here, but then the orcs came back? We, we do know their wooden structures stay up for a long time. We had that bridge out there that we thought was probably, what, 50? Not older? Yeah, well, it's hard because, of course, you know, coming up here, we are, you know, coming into the areas of Middle-earth where there's so little direct lore in the books. Yeah. And so not knowing the storylines that they have yeah, developed in yeah. game around here. Looking at the iron rivets, looking at the diamond patterns, the clean lines, it looks very much like dwarven scaffolding. Whoa, oh, yeah, okay, in over my head. The scaffolding running, over running, here. Running, 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 running. Yeah, look, there's decorative diamonds. Look, except it's not an even diamond. It's like a decorative kite shape. 
Yeah, I saw that too. Weird. But, but yeah, yeah, I the, mean, the rivets and everything. Yeah, they're not going to be. I mean, no orc is going to be like, oh yes, let us. By all means, we must certainly maintain the diamond motif when we erect the scaffolding. Like, come on. No, but they no. climb up their steel bits off. It they're going to be like this. They're going to be like, how many femurs can we attach to one crossbeam? See, this is. Many. I feel like we're getting tacky here. <laughs> right. I mean, this here, you can see there's a piece of scaffolding with the diamond rivets on it, right, to match the diamond motif. And then the dwarves have directly, or the dwarves, the orcs have taken this scaffolding and made it into. Okay, right. Let's use rope to tie. Um, a bunch of spiky cross pieces onto it, and and then attach a whole bunch of bones. Right. They went to Pinterest and looked up fun femur crafts and just went crazy. Yeah, it's and the balls of rope are really weird. They kind of look like I, I, bees' nests or something. I like gotta say, nests. these are the most artistic orcs we've seen so far. Like, well, remember, remember the artist orc. Um, who painted those drum heads? The one with the really artist was was the, the really really nice eye of Sauron. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Maybe was... he found his way up here, and he's just like turned into this fabulous Tim Gunn de interior decorator kind of guy. Maybe I don't know. This instead of fish. I mean, a, a bunch of this just looks like you know, ye old pelvis on spikes here, which is. But yeah, but look how they grouped it into groups of three, and then they got this nice symmetry going on here. Okay, it's there something. Was some there was some thought put into this. There, yeah, no, I like, agree. There was thought. You know, there was someone on a stool going, "No, a little more to the left. No, no, just no. Put it with the other one over there." I'm That's thinking right. four's too much. Let's just do three. <laughs> That's right. No, yeah. there was no, there was no five for symmetry. Five, because this is not not symmetrical. Get it right, you maggots. Does that look like a mandible? Does that even look remotely like a mandible? Is our coffee beats Naga anytime they get it wrong again? That's right. Yes. That's it. It's just what they would do. This is quite a step up from the pelvic fires of the old days, you know? Right. Right. Um, Fucking hell, dude. It's true, JJ. They make the no beautiful things. Hold it a day. <laughs> Right. They do make no beautiful things, but they do, uh, you know, they do make an appropriate nod to bilateral symmetry. So, you know. Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't say this was a beautiful thing. I just think thought was put into it, you know, like a like a beach house that has seashells stuck on everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. OK. But in any case, clearly the cross piece here demonstrates very plainly that this scaffolding was here before the orcs arrived because yeah, the orcs have decorated it since and with the high concentration of all of the metal reinforcement the scaffolding could be pretty old mm -hmm. yes yes agreed this is no rickety uh fly-by-night scaffolding here uh, dwarves don't make fly-by-night anyway it's true right you know okay the, i'm trying this, to imagine this fabulous uh, a lintel piece over here is probably going to last a, a, week, a week and then a bad storm's going to knock it all over. <laughs> hey, why is there a mammoth standing over there? Uh, he's parked. Oh, that's like what? the mammoth parking lot? 
Yeah, that's the mammoth parking. You know, they're expanding. Okay. Is that is that like a slow ride to Forakow or? Wouldn't that be cool? No, he's just a frost tusk. What does that even mean? He's just a moth? It says frost tusk. It says, oh, big troll. Stone heaver. I don't know if we can interact with it even. Does it do anything? Well, the troll does. I don't does, know. He's got presumably. a fire over him. He's uh, on fire? No. Oh, no, no. Uh, he had a he had a fire over his... He does. Say, I, I still see the fire. Why yeah. is there a ball of flame? Maybe hovering above the frost we task. It. Maybe we haven't unlocked it yet. Maybe we're too low level. There's a there's a quest to free the frost tusks. Yep. I think so. He's all fuzzy and cute looking. It is kind of fun. You notice there's a yeah though. Look at these locks on it. And there's this post. Yeah. I don't yeah, see him, him change to the post. So I, I hope we get to help him. Yeah. Probably nicer than a mumak. Yeah. He's more, of a model, He's more of a heffalump than an elephant. <laughs> right. Maybe Cory will realize his dream of getting an elephantish creature to ride. I... The saddle. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I just want to ride on a mammoth. Is that so much to ask? Um, I agree. He's psychologically tied to the post, Lady Lakata. I think that's clearly. Yeah. It's, the, it's, it's, like the... a, it's like learned helplessness. Um, yeah. Okay, but anyway, I was briefly distracted by the Oliphant, but um, I was trying to figure out what this was. So I'm going back three stages, right? Before the orcs did their ossiferous decorations, before the dwarves tried to reconstruct it, when it was still standing you know, mm -hmm. in its full glory, what the heck was happening here? We've Definitely got this like entrance. Yeah. Okay, so this is one of the, this is the main entrance. The road leads here, across the bridge, and st straight up, this is the main entrance. So this is a big parking old courtyard. Yeah. Parking lot, just that's why you park. a line of limousines running up to here and going around in a circle, just gorging right. our you know, people in going out. Yeah. Okay. What were these over here? Walls? Uh, it's hard to see. There was the little spires. Yeah. Little mini spires. We get the... Look at that golden marble again on these... You know, Gold-veined gold marble on these it base is, plates here. Beautiful. And then yeah, the snowflakes like on the a, bottom. A shallow wall? For, you know, if anything, just a windscreen. I have a question. Is this courtyard parking lot area, is it newer? Is it a separate addendum to the main construction that's like the lighter colors? I'd have well, to get a better look on the inside to know. We know so little about that white architecture. We'd have to go, we'd have to maybe get a better look to see. Yeah, so, and it's, and, but you'll notice that the lower city, anyway, like that white stuff is all up at the top. Down yeah. in the lower terraces down here, it's all this same stripy stuff yeah. as we get here. 
Is it, does it look like it's like it's a, a like a, a force sitting above the black and gold? The, the white the white structures. Does it look like it's actually connected, or is there a base we can't see from here? It looks like a there's. I can see a base of. Well, at least that involves that marble. Um, hey, is that guy a hobgoblin? No, he's a good and a bad captain. I want to see a hobgoblin. Those are the big dudes outside. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen a hobgoblin. Well, there's one right out here passing around. Where? One that's outside. Or no, it's a, it's a back, troll. Back towards the bridge? Really big troll. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's a, yeah, it's a big it's troll. It's a really big troll. Over there, yeah. There, there's That's not much difference of what they look like, though. Okay. Yeah, well, we'll see if we can see a line there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if this was... um. Oh, yeah, but look at the profile there. It looks like there was a tower that's fallen over. Yeah. It's definitely some kind of funky hollow structure. Mm-hmm. Some kind of hall down here at the end. Oh, yeah. Oh, I see it. Yeah, it's like big rigatoni noodles. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Two of them. So I think this was some kind of hall. Um, maybe the old stables or something. Yeah. Conceivably. Um... Right, and then down here, just modern orc camps. Oh, there's your hobgoblin right there. Where? The little purpley looking guy. Oh, really? This dude? So, no, no, it says orc kind. He was a gun to bed driver. Yeah, all the gun to bed guys kind of look all purpley. Yeah. Yeah. Having a hard time seeing him. And then yeah, this this just is this is just another path up, I guess. It's not as pretty. I mean it's the stone road's not as nice as the other one, is it? Right. I don't suppose this dwarf marker actually tells us anything, does it? No, we it's just, just a thing to collect. Right, we just find it and collect it. Yeah, just it. like the other ones. Okay. Hmm. An old dwarf marker used in surveying lands. Yes, same one. Potential mining opportunities. Whoa! What? Well, now we know where the other road goes down. Yeah. To little Angmarim City. Yeah. That's the bad part of town. (laughs) That is. That is. Of course, good part of town's not looking so great right now. Yeah, the train tracks kind of run through here, right? And that's yeah, the wrong side. Right now, all of it's the wrong side of the track. That's true. There aren't any. Down. There aren't any right side to these particular. There's tracks. no tracks, and we're all on the wrong side of them. So this is—is this new Angmarim construction or old Angmarim? Well, that's what I was wondering. It's a bit shiny. I mean, the slates on the roof seem pretty weathered. Yeah, I was gonna say if it's, old, they, if it's old, they if it's old, they they retiled at least, you know, which you got to do when you move into an old place. Right. Hmm. 
Yeah, the base walls certainly look like they certainly look like old Angmar. Mm-hmm. The black and, and the white pers- walls and the purple and the purple iron. But then the tower looks very new Angmar mm. up there. Yes, it does. I, I think we're seeing what we usually see in Angmar, which is a mix of old and new. Yes. Neo Angmaran? Like Neo Gothic in the 18th, or I'm sorry, the 19th century? Uh, Neo Gothic restoration of medieval, maybe. <laughs> right. All right, well, let's take a little closer look. Oh, it's getting late. Okay. Yeah. Okay, hey there, Mr. Gun, Mr. Iron Crown Priest, in your little priestly robes. It's like we never left Angmar. (laughs) Yeah. I doubt we're going to see anybody in any of that Hillman garb. Snazzy little Star Wars looking doors over there. It's interesting. if you go over here to this arch to the left of the door, mm-hmm. uh-huh. there's this interesting decoration on the archways itself. Themselves. Oh. Like some tracery or writing. Tentacles. Or that. Oh, up like on the left there, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like uh, some sort of thorny knotwork with letters. I see letters in there. Unless I'm just seeing stuff. The top is, is like just a flag. Yeah. Maybe. Like a pennant with like trailers coming off of it or something. Right. It looks almost mm-hmm. like that. Or wing. I don't think any of it is actually writing. Maybe it's like a like one of the fell creatures. Cthulhu rising from the rays. Well, I was thinking more of the the um, the sort of wyvern mounts. Right. Hmm. I don't recall seeing that decoration. No, that's And new. it's down on the foundations. It's, it's got to be older. Fan- yeah, it's it's of that greasy purple metal again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some building down there that got built on top of. Oh, it's it's solid stone down there. That's all solid stone down there. Yeah, it's all solid stone. The, exactly. That and foundation they built down there. And plaster on top of it. Exactly. Yes, the evil Tudor houses up on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they look just as decrepit as the other one, but lathe and plaster tends to look old pretty fast. Yeah, exactly. Just like I wouldn't bank on this gatehouse, even though, as you say, like the walls look fairly aged. But yeah, they would, being made of plaster. Yeah, like the dwarven scaffolding might be older than this. <laughs> right, here. right, very likely. Oh, yeah, and then lots of stone houses in here. Oh yeah, we got that white. We got the white stone that we've, we've seen on the Angmar barracks before. Yes. And that waffle cone ironwork over there. On the ramps, you gotta you gotta love how uh, 
they do they do make things accessible though with all the ramps over here <laughs> right yes yes <laughs> the, the angmarim uh exactly the witch king is very thoughtful that way yeah these are fairly new slates Ooh, fairly new slates white tree <laughs> they do like their diseased white trees don't they oh right here yes that looks like my front lawn Well, winter is coming. It'll be dead soon. Hmm. And uh, people live in here. There's laundry up there. And... Evil laundry? Uh, well, most the laundry is evil. Might be evil. Let's see. Oh, look. They got like, a pair of somebody's... Yep. A pair of somebody's evil undies. Yep. Evil Y-fronts. Yeah. My goodness. Those are not tidy whities. No, they are untidy whities. No, yeah. I now know way more than I wanted to know about yeah. what like the angular under, are wearing underneath their cloaks. Underpants exist in this world. It's canon. There's just something adorable about those pairs of socks, though. Yeah, I like the socks. The fact that they are they, the fact that they can find the pairs too. They they, they obviously don't so suffer sock goblins like my laundry does. Mhm. Mm mhm. Mm I must ask them how they get their whites so white. Ancient elven secret, huh? Oh, fortunate timing. I live to fight another day. Wait, who does that dwarf? The dwarf Where apparently. Where's he going? Wait, he was an no. NPC that got set free? Apparently. The Jaruka dwarf, one of the other non-canon races that Sanningtum created as one of the seven families. Oh. Huh. So he's, he's back here if you want to take a look at him. Oh, they, oh, they put him to work him. on the right. forges. Yeah, Z Zaruka. The Jaruka are uh, basically the same dwarf clan as the stout axes that you can create and play. Uh. Oh, yes. Uh, they are the dwarves who were captured by Morgul. The, oh, yep, yep, because we were made to work in the forges at the beginning with those guys, too. Mm -hmm. Right. He's a long way from home. Okay. Hmm. I'm very much wearing the same clothes as the other one as well. No, JJ, Wigan will indeed meet the Stout Axes fairly soon. He is in Mordor after all. That's right. Oh, hey, yeah. I He's forgot. He's a long beard captive as well. Oh, yeah. With a not Where very they... long beard either. Yep, Where long beard captive. Where are they getting all of these captives? There's a bunch of dwarves in the Grey Mountains. Various groups getting together to do certain things of which you know not. Plus Moria. Moria, not so much. The, they're, they they give an epilogue to the the story of Moria. Oh, do they? Oh. Yes. Lots of little... Nooks and cranny. Little, yeah, nooks and little... 
past yep. it. I mean, like this little arch leading to this uh, cunning little passageway into this whole other undiscovered part of the town. I mean, this is adorable. Yeah. Well, it's, like, very, it's very much like Breland. Or these Iron Crown priestesses were Iron hanging Crown back here by here. the food stores, which seem to contain snakes on sticks. And on I know I'm standing on explosives or something, but well, ambushed. It's the biggest tower spikes closest to the ground I've ever seen. Where? Can one of our minis throw some heals on Linus, please? Oh, yes. Yes, thank you. Oh, look, more ramp. It keeps going. Is this how you get up to the tower? Um, yeah, it looks like that. I think I may have found some Barrow Brie. <laughs> Barrow Brie up here? Well, it's cheese and it looks pretty moldy. I'm calling the Barrow Brie. Well, mold on cheese. Mold yeah, doesn't this... necessarily disqualify cheese from being food. Weirdly. The city just keeps on going. But yeah, I think we can clearly see, I mean, this archway, for instance, a little double archway. Mm -hmm. A little double yeah, archway with the, like, uh, sort of pseudo eye at the bottom. Oh, but yeah, really, I know that, yeah, really old stone that used to be white that isn't anymore. I mean, this is a classic old Angmarim right here. Yeah. Um, but a then this snake. behind us, yeah, the I tower behind us, doors that look like that. Yeah, with this like prow of a ship door and all the spiky towers and this green, vaguely greenish gray stone. The yeah. waffle iron texture. Classic New Angmar, so. Yep. All it's missing is the cargoal in front. Right, exactly. Intriguing. Yeah, there's that pattern stamped on the on the arches over there again. Yeah, I was just looking at that. And there's something and above that arch. Many fishes. What's that cruciform thing up above? You see what I mean? Um, I can't tell if it's actually meant to be there or if it's just sort of pareidolia making it in the shape of a sword. Right, it looks That's... like a sword, perhaps. Yeah, it is a little hard like to a tell. Sword. Not super clear. Okay. All right. So trying to put together trying to put together a uh, timeline for this. Well, we got to go. All right. So based on our observations over here and down in the courtyard as well. Next week we will wander deeper up in we'll go up the stairs. In not these stairs cuz we can't go any further up here. 
but we'll go up further up the stairs into Gundabad and get up to the marble layers and see how the layering works up there. Mm-hmm. And then we'll begin to see if we can construct a timeline, an, archeo- an archaeological timeline here based on what we see um, in the architecture and in the camps. Huh. To see okay. if we can figure out what's happening, what has happened here at Gundabad. Well, with the scaffolding and the two-phase Angmarim city over here and all that kind of stuff. Excellent, all right. excellent. So we'll do that next week. Okay. All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Hey, I don't. Um, I forgot to say, which I should have done. Um, speaking of Wigan going to Mordor, Wigan is going to be going to Mordor in about a week and a half on the second of October. Officially, Saturday, the second of October is going to be the Wigan Marathon. So there Excellent. we go. Excellent. Party on. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, right. for joining us today. And we will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Oh, no, we're in combat. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody.